I was so happy and so thrilled and so proud to be doing a job that I felt it made a difference. There are people that are walking around and they're and are living because of the actions of, of my crew. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thanks for joining me again on another episode of Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service just like you, from coast to coast. Well, we call it the Brotherhood. It's been the basis of the fire service since, well, forever. But of course, nowadays women are joining the Brotherhood. Not many yet. The national average is still just about 7%. But more inroads are being made. More and more women are becoming fire chiefs. My guest today is Cindy Schooner-Ball. She writes a blog exploring where women fit into the fire service. It's called Sister in a Brotherhood. Cindy retired from the job a couple of years ago, having worked her way up from firefighter in 1987 to captain. And Cindy Schooner-Ball joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for inviting me. You're part of the first wave of women who joined the fire service back in the 80s. What was that like? It was different. I'll put it that way. I was uh, one of two women to get hired that actually made it through the uh, boot camp process and the probationary one-year process with a department in South Florida at the time. I was just, I was so excited about it. I have to say my department was young. Uh, it was uh, it started out as a volunteer organization and then became paid before I got I came on. So there was a, maybe a different um, attitude than perhaps a more traditional department that has lots of lots of history. So you're saying you were accepted back then? I was. I was. The other woman and myself, when we got hired, we had about almost six weeks of what we called a death camp with our fire department to acquaint us with their, with just honing our skills and acquainting ourselves with firefighting. And we had, I think we had spies and the word got out that we were two tough women. I was tough. I ran, worked out, jumped rope and, and was just thrilled. I said it was my lottery ticket. I was so thrilled to have made it through all of that hiring process and testing for different departments. So it was a it was a year process after I got my state uh, fire certification. So I had been testing for a year with different departments. So I was very thrilled. What was the biggest challenge back then? The biggest challenge was I believe the biggest challenge for me was was just my confidence and knowing that I had what it took to make it and to succeed in it. And I was lucky enough to have a lot of great men by my side that instilled that confidence. And that's kind of 
I think probably true for both men and women. At that time, then, you weren't the target of any sexist treatment? No. I think the times were different. I won't candy coat it. It was before the Me Too, and I'm happy that that's come about for both. Uh, in all occupations, it's an important change in the environment, working environment between men and women. However, in that occupation, as you know, it's, it was predominantly men, and I held my own. And the most important thing that I try to instill in other females is people by human nature will test you, men in particularly will test you. And you have to make sure that you can do the job professionally and proficiently. You're willing to get your hands dirty. You draw your line on the stand, uh, what's acceptable to you, what's acceptable behavior, because at that time, I think it's just a lot different. We all live in a firehouse together. I floated all over the different stations on different pieces of apparatus, different jobs, worked with a lot of different people. And you get very close. And like all families, you get along sometimes, sometimes you don't. What about nowadays? Is it hard to be a sister and a brotherhood now? I think it depends on what part of the country you're from. Maybe that's just because I travel to different areas and am extremely proud of the profession and, and what my achievements were and hope to get the word out there. And it's just different. Uh, different parts of the country, women are... Are, have been mainstream for a long time in the fire service. I've worked in all female engine companies. But you go to other parts, and, and I do genuinely listen to the brothers that tell me horrific stories about the women that they've dealt with. Some tell me great stories and, and, and absolutely are so happy that women are now a part of it. And a lot of the women they worked with were tougher and stronger and more resilient than the men they worked with. But I think it just depends on the locale it, where it's still a little bit different. It's harder for women to, to make it. And when they finally do get in, they're met with resistance and, and, and probably some sexism and that they're not sure how to deal with. And so that's by, why I hope that I can make an impact on trying to help them navigate their way through their career or navigate their way through what it means to be a female firefighter. I'll be back with more right after this. On any given day, you are tasked to be your best and power through the worst of times, all at a moment's notice. We know the sacrifices you make each and every day. Your success relies on superior equipment and the best training available. That's why Federal Resources is here to support you, the everyday hero. We are here so you can excel. Discover your success at federalresources.com. Do you have one really great story from your days as a firefighter? I probably have a few great stories, but for me, there's a couple of great stories. When I was sitting backwards on a fire truck, you know, it was very odd in those days to see a female. And it was, they were open, uh, open cabs, and I sat backwards. So 
could genuinely see people at a stoplight and they'd look at you and the look on their face was just priceless. And they would talk to you out the window, you know, their car window at a stoplight, and you'd talk back. The kids scream and just, especially the little girls. I love going to the schools. We used to do a lot of things uh, for uh, for the schools, elementary on up. And, and the little girls would just, we'd do a whole program. The little girls would cry and they'd, they'd hug me and, and, and scream. And I'd say, you can be firefighter too. You know, you stay in school and, and uh, work out and eat healthy and stay out of trouble. And then the little boys would chime in, you can't be a firefighter. And I'd say, oh, yes, you can. Probably the other great thing is uh, when we would go and run calls uh, where there were elderly women, elderly people, nursing homes, and I've had many old women come up and grab me and say, oh, we wish we could be firefighters. We're so proud of you, but in our day, we weren't able to. We had basically, uh, you know, three choices, secretary, nurse, um, teacher, uh, homemaker, which are all honorable in themselves. However, they wanted to be firefighter and in their day it was not allowed or accepted did you realize when you took the job on that you were essentially going to be a role model uh not at first i actually was so happy that i had found i mean i always say the fire service found me uh i didn't choose it it chose me and once i was in that world it, it became more apparent as time went on, but I was so happy and so thrilled and so proud to be doing a job that I felt it made a difference. There are people that are in walking around and they're and are living because of the actions of, of my crew, uh, people I worked with, our diligence. So at the time, I didn't really think about a role model, but as time went on, it became apparent because at that time, whenever we do any public displays, anytime we go to schools to give a demonstration, I was the I was the person, especially as a rookie, I was the person that always had to you know put their bunker gear on and their air pack and their mask and 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 then take it off and show that oh it's a female you know and that sort of thing. So that was kind of a a, a fun thing to see everybody's reaction in the beginning. Now I know you've been working on a book. How has that been coming along? Well, I am navigating my way now through what it means to actually present it in a professional way to an editor, to a publishing house, to get to get published. I've never done it. I've actually been a writer since I was a tiny kid, and I renewed my passion for it years ago, and I used to write stories after I'd calls. I'd write poems after I ran calls and just things that affected me. And then over the years, people always ask me, you know, how did you become a firefighter? Why? All of these things. And so I started the book a few years ago, stopped it after I retired. Then I started it again. I've had a couple people read it and got really good reviews from them. So I'm hopeful. And tell us a little bit about what we'll find on your blog. My blog is called Sister in a Brotherhood. That's the same name as my book is going to be. I started the blog as sort of uh, just to, because I, again, I had been asked over the years, I had talked to females that were trying to get into the fire academy, had maybe failed, females that were just 
what was it like to live in the firehouse? What was it? What does it take to become a firefighter? Period. And I had guys tell me, you know, you're you're a firefighter, and I write about that on the first post. You're not a female firefighter. You're a firefighter. And I started to write different posts about. I just name them. You know, one is strength. One is you know perseverance. One is family. One is pride. And I just wrote them to attract the attention of people, of men and women, who have been been commenting on it uh, in a positive way to let them know that, you know, it's not it's not an easy profession. It's not for everybody. I always tell them firefighting is an inherently dangerous job by nature, and not everybody who wants to be one is going to achieve that goal. It's hard, dangerous, and it's uh, constant training. It's just a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a passion. And so I try not to candy coat it for people who maybe have watched too many episodes of firefighting shows and think that's what it's all about because it's a lot more than that. All right. Cindy Schooner Ball, thanks for being on Code 3 today. Thank you, Scott, for having me, and I hope to hope to talk to you soon. And there's more information on Women in the Fire Service, as well as a link to Cindy's blog on our website at co3podcast.com slash women. Check it out. Now, here's your trivia question. Listen carefully. If you bleed the trapped air off a charged hose line by cracking open the nozzle momentarily and then take a pressure reading at the closed nozzle with no water flowing, what type of pressure reading would you get? I'll have the answer right after this. Now's your chance to get your hands on Code 3 t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more. Show your support for the podcast that supports firefighters from coast to coast. Just go to Code3Podcast.com and click on the Code 3 store link. Or go to Code3Podcast.com slash shop and tell the world that you're a Code 3 fan. And those shirts now come in full color. Here's your trivia answer. The pressure reading you get at a closed nozzle with no water flowing is static pressure. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orrin. Until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.